uh, after we read God's word together. Uh, Turn to Exodus chapter 21. And uh, while you're turning there, um, uh, let me sort of catch you up. We have been, uh, yeah, this battery's dead. Um, We are still in our series in Exodus. Um, and kind of in that that section of uh, Exodus that's really the, the book of the covenant, the application of uh, the Ten Commandments this morning, um, we will read verses 12 to 32. So um, normally it's our practice to stand when we read God's Word together. There are times when we... Um, uh, wonder whether the length of the passage is too long for such a thing. Uh, this one is perhaps right on the border. Uh, so remain seated um, as we read together Exodus chapter 21, verses 12 to 32. Hear God's word. Uh, Whoever strikes a man so that he dies shall be put to death. But if he did not lie in wait for him, but God let him fall into his hand... Then I will appoint for you a place to which he may flee. But if a man willfully attacks another to kill him by cunning, you shall take him from my altar that he may die. Whoever strikes his father or his mother shall be put to death. Whoever steals a man and sells him and anyone found in possession of him shall be put to death. Whoever curses his father or his mother shall be put to death. When men quarrel and one strikes the other with a stone or with his fist and the man does not die but takes to his bed, then if the man rises again and walks outdoors with his staff, he who struck him shall be clear. Only he shall pay for the loss of his time and shall have him thoroughly healed. When a man strikes his slave, male or female, with a rod and the slave dies under his hand, then he shall be avenged. But if the slave survives a day or two, he is not to be avenged, for the slave is his money. When men strive together and hit a pregnant woman so that her children come out, but there is no harm, the one who hit her shall surely be fined, as the woman's husband shall impose on him, and he shall pay as the judges determine. But if there is harm, then you shall pay life for life, eye for eye, tooth for tooth, hand for hand, foot for foot, burn for burn, wound for wound, stripe for stripe. When a man strikes the eye of his slave, male or female, and destroys it, he shall let the slave go free because of his eye. If he knocks out the tooth of his slave, male or female, he shall let the slave go free because of his tooth. When an ox gores a man or a woman to death, the ox shall be stoned and its flesh shall not be eaten, but the owner of the ox shall not be liable. But if the ox has been accustomed to gore in the past and its owner has been warned, but has not kept it in and it kills a man or a woman, the ox shall be stoned and its owner shall also be put to death. If a ransom is imposed on him, then he shall give For the redemption of his life, whatever is imposed on him. If it gores a man's son or daughter, he shall be dealt with according to this same rule. If the ox gores a slave, male or female, the owner shall give to their master 30 shekels of silver. And the ox shall be stoned. The grass withers, the flowers fade, but the word of the Lord stands 
forever. Will you pray with me? We pray, O Father, that you would revive thy work, O Lord, exalt your precious name, and by the Holy Spirit, inflame our love for you and for your people. We ask it in Christ's name and for his sake. Amen. Um, if you watch the morning news at all, uh, and I, I, I turn on the news basically just long enough to catch the weather and then I'm kind of done. But if you spend any time at all watching the morning news, you will see commercials for Tyler Mann, uh, maybe Alexander Shannara, um, Senior Timberlake in League. I, I've learned all the law firms around North Alabama, just because you watch a few minutes of the news, and there's always these commercials for personal injury lawyers. I've never seen the commercial for Dewey, Cheatham, and Howe, but that's another story. <laughs> Apparently, the personal injury law business is um, alive and well. Uh, and there are a couple of reasons for that. One is because we live in a world that allows you to sue a restaurant because your coffee is hot. I'm going to sue the restaurant if my coffee is cold. Uh, but the other reason for that is because we live in a fallen, broken world. We live in a world where there is hatred, where there is anger, and where there are accidents, where there is violence, and where it's intended and where it's not. And there needs to be some way of preserving people of honoring and caring for and protecting people in a world where, whether because of man's wicked, evil heart, or because of, as we might say, pure, dumb luck or unluck, I suppose, as the case may be, because of carelessness or negligence, uh, the reality is, uh, we live in a world where there is injury, there is pain, and there is murder and death for that matter. You live in a place, too, where more and more you hear people say things like, oh, but the world's getting darker. Oh, it's getting so much worse out there. Oh, it's getting harder and harder to be a Christian. And, and you know, there were times when that was so easy. And, and now, I mean, the church is losing and, and Jesus is wringing his hands because suddenly he's afraid. And the world's just getting darker and sin's getting worse. And yet, here we are in Exodus 21, eight weeks-ish. I'm... You lose track of this time, I know, because it takes us longer to preach through these passages than it takes them to occur. Eight weeks after Israel has been brought out of Egypt. Eight weeks after Israel has been delivered from slavery and bondage in Egypt. And God is already giving personal injury law commandments. Oh, but the world's getting darker. It was dark enough in God's freshly redeemed people that they needed these laws too. We're in this section of Exodus, um, the book of the covenant. Uh, God is, uh, in essence, explaining and expounding and expanding and applying 
the Ten Commandments. He's given the Ten Commandments in Exodus 20 and then becomes the case law question. Well, how do I know how to apply the Ten Commandments to daily life in Israel? And, and that's where we are. You'll notice this is applications of primarily the Sixth Commandment, although the Fifth Commandment is there and the Eighth Commandment is touched on as well. And so God's telling Israel, this is how in sort of day-to-day life, in everyday life, the Ten Commandments will apply um, to Israel. And so this passage unpacks for us really several categories of personal injury law. The first category is, uh, we might call capital crimes, or crimes that demand capital punishment. And we're not going to we're not going to look at every individual scenario. We're going to look, look at them primarily as, as situations, as cases. But notice verse 12. Whoever strikes a man so that he dies, he shall be put to death. Again, in verse 14, if a man willfully attacks another to kill him by cunning, you take him away from my altar that he may die. Verse 15, whoever strikes his father or mother, put him to death. If you're Stealing people, if you're, if you're kidnapping other people, or you're selling them, or you have them, you're to be put to death. Verse 17, if you curse your father or your mother, you're to be put to death. You see the pattern. Um, and then verse 20, even if you strike a slave, whether male or female, and he dies, then there is punishment as well. Even to us in the 21st century, we understand the reality of the nature of the requirement, the expectation that if someone outright murders someone else in cold blood, don't you just love that phrase? They should be put to death. They should be punished for their crime. They should be put to death. We live in a place where States have capital punishment, and that's grounded in partly, at least, what we read here in chapter 21. But did you notice that not all of these capital crimes actually involve physical harm? Did you notice whoever curses his father or his mother shall be put to death? Now, we live in, you know, we're products of the 20th, 21st century. We, we live in a world that thinks that's just way too harsh. And for that matter, you can see that on television any day of the week. We see this play out all the time in our lives. And yet, there's this commandment, this command, whoever curses his father or his mother shall be put to death. So how is that connected with the others? Well, it's this. The person cursing his parents intends them to die. Isn't that what we said when we sort of unpacked the sixth commandment or even the fifth commandment when it's not simply actual murder, but Jesus tells us that if you hate someone, if you lash out in anger at them, you're guilty of breaking the sixth commandment. Why? Because that anger wants that other person dead. That's why cursing your parents, a violation of the fifth commandment, is also uh, punishable by 
by being put to death by capital punishment. You want them injured. You want them hurt. You want them killed. Throughout this passage, throughout these verses, these these scenarios in which someone's you know putting someone else to death, there's that familiar refrain. You see it in verse 16, shall be put to death. Verse 17, shall be put to death. Verse 15, shall be put to death. Anyone guilty of these crimes is to be put to death. The punishment for murder, the punishment for calling down curses on your parents and wishing that they were dead, the punishment for kidnapping It's all death. They're capital crimes in God's economy. And you see this repeated in Leviticus 24. The same punishment is given there as well. I hope this sounds familiar because our civil laws, well, except for maybe the cursing parents part. But our civil laws are grounded in this. Our civil laws reflect these same sorts of commandments, of requirements, of expectations, of application of the Ten, ten Commandments. You may be thinking, well, wait, hold on. If the Sixth Commandment is don't kill people, then shouldn't we not have capital punishment? I mean, you know people perhaps that object to the capital punishment laws on the grounds that if killing someone is a sin, then killing someone who killed someone is still killing someone, and so that should be a sin. Why is that still an acceptable punishment? But I want you to realize something. This punishment doesn't start in Exodus 21. This isn't the first time God has told His people that this is the proper and right punishment For killing another human being. Turn with me back to Genesis chapter 9. And let me show you in Genesis 9. Where God tells us this. In another place. Hundreds and hundreds of years. Thousand years. Before. Exodus 21. In Genesis 9. Noah and Mrs. Noah and their sons and their sons' wives have gotten off the ark. Uh, The land is dried up. They're off the ark. And notice in verse 1, God said to Noah and his sons, this sounds familiar, this is Genesis 1 all over again, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth. The fear of you and the dread of you shall be upon every beast of the earth and upon every bird of the heavens. So he's reinstating that first great commission to fill the earth, to subdue it, to rule and reign over God's creation. And notice verse 5. For your lifeblood, I will require a reckoning. From every beast, I will require it. And from man. From his fellow man, I will require a reckoning for the life of man. Whoever sheds the blood of man, by man shall his blood be shed. For God made man in his own image. Do you see why punishment is the, why why being stoned, being put to death is the proper and right punishment for anyone who kills another human being or seeks their death? 
It's because they're attacking the image of God. The reality is sinful man left to himself would love to attack and kill God in any way we can. We can't get to him. We can't kill God. And so we might as well kind of do the next best thing. And that is attack his image. Do you remember? um, Do you remember when the statue of Saddam Hussein fell in Iraq? And there were scenes of people taking off their shoes and hitting his picture. His pictures were plastered up on the wall and they would hit his picture with their shoes. Now, in that culture, the bottom of the shoe, to show somebody the bottom of your shoe is an insult. But the reality is they couldn't hit Saddam Hussein. So they did what they could. And they hit his image. They hit his picture. They attacked the picture as a way of saying, I really want to kill you. I really want you gone. And so the reason that being put to death is the right and proper punishment for murdering another human is because that human bear God's image. It's an attack on God's vice regents on the earth and therefore an attack on God himself. So the book of the covenant calls for the death of anyone who murders another human. Now there is this one category of personal injury in verse 13 where there was no intent to kill it's sort of involuntary manslaughter if you will you notice in verse 13 if he didn't lie and wait for him but god let him fall into his hand you're you're at the quarry is there a quarry you're at the quarry and you're just throwing rocks and and what you don't know is that somebody walks by and you hit them in the head with their rock and it kills them You weren't trying to murder them. You didn't know they were there. You did kill them. And so you are responsible, but it wasn't intentional. It wasn't murder. Or you're protecting your house from a a would-be home invader and he dies. You didn't lie in wait. You didn't seek to murder him. You didn't set out to kill them. This wasn't pre-planned. It wasn't premeditated. It was merely the, the effect of... And notice, notice... That in God giving this law, in Moses writing verse 21, did you notice God's providence in that verse? But God let him fall into your hand. It even recognizes the fact that though you're at the quarry and you're throwing rocks and you accidentally hit someone in the head that you didn't know was there, this passage even says, it was, it was God's providence that he was walking right there at that time. God let him fall into your hands. So notice that there's a, a different rule applied when there's no intent. God will appoint, Numbers 35, God appoints cities of refuge. If you accidentally kill someone, you run to a city of refu- refuge, you're protected, you're safe until there's a trial and you can be um, uh, absolved of your guilt. The death is accidental, and so capital punishment is not required. There's a second category. So the first is sort of the capital punishment cases. The, the second category is just merely personal injury. Verses 18 and 19, for example. Two men are fighting, and it goes too far, and one strikes the other with a stone or with his fist, and that man dies again unintentional not planned 
the result of fighting, of arguing. Verse 21, when men are striving together and a pregnant woman walks by and she gets hit and she gives birth, she's injured, the child's injured, uh, or, or to whatever extent. It's these cases where man doesn't intend harm to someone else, but harm happens nonetheless because of his negligence. Someone else is hurt, uh, but not... Uh, put to death. The woman gives birth prematurely, but everyone is fine. In that case, the husband imposes a a fine. The judges will determine, the, the elders of the town will determine um, what that fine should be, and the guilty man will pay that fine. If the child is hurt, however, you get that famous lex talionis, the law of, of retribution, the law of restitution, the law of retaliation. Eye for eye, the part of this passage you actually know, an eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth, hand for hand. The person guilty of causing injury must make restitution. Verses 18 and 19, there's not an insurance company that pays workers' comp. It's the person who injures the person, who misses out on work. It's that person, if you hurt someone and they can't work, and they, it's your job to make sure, verse 19, they're thoroughly healed, you pay their medical bills, and you pay him for the time he lost in not being able to work. You put insurance companies out of business, because we're making the payments ourselves. We're paying back that, that loss of time and injury. And did you notice? The law protects women, unborn children, and slaves. They all get the same equal protection. They all get the same care. Yes, the master has a right to punish a disobedient slave, but not to injure him, not to hurt him. I mean, not to kill him. And so if he does, if he goes too far, he has to make restitution. But both the woman, the unborn child, the slave, they all get the same treatment in God's Economy. They all get the same care and protection. This, by the way, the arguments against the church for keeping women oppressed and you know not caring men and no women, women bad, man good. God's law actually cares for the people that many of us in our world today don't even notice. It actually elevates women. It's caring for them and for an unborn child in a way that no other nation around Israel did. It actually elevates women and infants and fetuses and servants higher than the cultures around them because God cares for them. The people, even the people that don't matter to us, and by us, I don't necessarily mean the people in this room, even the people that don't matter to us matter to God. I think I mentioned last week, there's in God's world, in God's eyes, in God's mind, there are no insignificant people. There are no little people. 
And then there's this final category that really is criminal negligence. What do you do if your dog gets out and runs down the street and bites the neighbor? My dog runs. He sees people and he gets excited and he runs. Thankfully, it's scary because if he's, he's somebody older and goes running out, to, it's scary because he's going full bore. And thankfully, he gets right there and then sits down. And like he never jumps on them, never, but it's scary. Like I'm doing, watching him calling, yelling. What if your dog gets out and bites the neighbor's kid? What if your ox gets out? And y'all got any ox? Anybody got pet ox in your backyard? What if your ox gets out and gores your neighbor? Then what? What happens then? Well, that's sort of the pattern in verses 28 to 32. If the animal's sweet and has never hurt anybody and never wouldn't harm a fly and has never done anything wrong, there's one set of laws. If, however, verse 29, he's had a habit of getting out and damaging property and hurting people and do scaring people and doing things, then his master, his owner, is held responsible. The ox in verse 28, if the ox gores someone, he's to be stoned and you don't get to eat. You as its owner don't get the privilege of eating the meat. You're actually suffering, right? Your loss of your ox because of what it has done to someone else. If, however, you haven't put a fence around your pool and your neighbor falls into it and drowns, it's on you. If your dog has a habit of hurting people and attacking people and you don't do anything to stop them, it's on you, verse 29. At that point, both the ox and its owner are to be stoned, are to be put to death. Do you notice the theme? Do you notice the thread running through all of these things? We look at it as, well, what's the punishment? What do I get to do? What do I get to hand out? The theme is, how can I love other people well? The reason when you read through your Old Testament, you're doing your Bible reading through a year, and you get to... Put a parapet around your roof. And you're thinking, I don't even know what a parapet is. And I don't have one, I'm pretty sure, around my roof. Do I need to go put a parapet? Well, that's a fence around a pool. If, if you have a roof that people hang out on, there should, if you have a balcony, you should have a, a, a railing around it to keep people from falling off. It's a way to love and protect other people. And this ox, this owner of the ox hasn't cared enough about his neighbors to keep his ox inside the fence. You know, we read eye for an eye and tooth for a tooth. And when we're the ones injured, we're quick to run to that verse. If we're guilty... Well, now, hold on. That's the Old Testament. Is that really how we want to apply? We hymn and haw and dance around and do anything and everything we can to avoid. But if we're the one injured, we're, we're ready. 
right? We're balling up our fists. I, you punched me. I get to punch you back. You hit me. I get to hit you back. I get to pay you back for what you've done for me. And yet in some ways we read through this and think some of this sounds a little bit harsh. You see, this law is written not just to make sure that the guilty person pays. It's also written to make sure that the injured person doesn't demand too much. In other words, the point of eye for an eye, foot for a foot, tooth for tooth, burn for a burn. The point is to say that the punishment should fit the crime no less and no more. We seek retaliation. This is about restitution. There's a difference between getting my revenge. Been in the revenge business so long, I don't know what to do anymore. It's been a while since the Princess Bride is. We're about the revenge business. This passage says, no, no, no. This is about restitution. This is about making right as well as we can the harm that has been done to someone else. This is about making sure that the one who has done the injuring actually pays and, and makes restitution and fixes to the best of their ability that which they've damaged. It's also about making sure that the person who got injured isn't just balling up his fist for the sheer joy. You hit me. Because isn't that what Jesus does in the Sermon on the Mount? It's like we just, our New Testament reading was intentional. Like it was intentionally two separate passages from Matthew chapter 5. Because it would be tempting to think that the second half of our New Testament reading means that Jesus does away with this. That Jesus actually does away with an eye for an eye and tooth for a tooth. That lex talionis doesn't matter in the New Testament. That it doesn't matter any longer in God's economy. Doesn't he do away with this law? But the first part of our reading said that Jesus came to fulfill the law, not to do away with it. You see, the problem is we want not so much an eye for an eye. We want, if you slap me, then I should get to deck you really good. Like, we think, well, if someone slaps you on the right cheek, which, by the way, in that culture probably was the back of the right hand. See, that's not just injury. It's insult. And so in that culture, Jesus is saying, look, you accept the insult. You accept the injury. You accept it for yourself. It's not about retaliating it's about restoring the the scribes the pharisees the jewish leaders were saying look if you step on my foot i get to kick you in the shin if you slap me in the face i get to hit you with a bat that's what we do that's how we feel when we're the injured people when we're the offended party we want to take it up a notch and jesus is saying look it's about making right. It's about loving your neighbor in such a way that the punishment should fit the crime. There should be punishment that fits the crime. 
but it should fit the crime and not be more than that, not demand more than that. Jesus doesn't do the do away with these laws. He sets them in their right context. So what does all of this have to do with us? Three things. First, this passage shows us that all life matters. Servants, women, unborn children, that all of mankind life matters to God. It shows us the sanctity of human life. Slaves aren't property and a fetus isn't just a mass of tissues. All are people bearing God's image. And so they're to be protected and cared for, not attacked and mistreated. Second application is this. Carelessness and negligence is inherently selfish. If God's will and God's design, if the Ten Commandments draw us out of ourselves to care for other people, if Jesus can summarize, actually, if Jesus can summarize the Ten Commandments, quoting Deuteronomy, which summarizes the Ten Commandments, as love the Lord your God, love your neighbor as yourself. These laws are all ways that we love our neighbor. I'm going to care about you enough to keep my dog in a fence. I'm going to love you enough that I'm not going to be negligent and careless in my actions and behavior and drive like a, a crazy man. I'm not going to put the other cars in danger because I'm in a hurry. Carelessness and negligence are selfish. And God's word makes us selfless and makes us others centered and not self-centered. And so this passage commands us to be more aware of the people around us. And then lastly, let me make this one application. Jesus's death was in part about making personal injury and insult right. Think about it. You and I are guilty of cosmic treason. You and I are guilty of, of violating God's commands. You and I are guilty of, of having other gods before him, for that matter, of ourselves being our own God. You and I are guilty, left to ourselves, we want to be the God and king and ruler of our universe. We don't want him to be. Left to ourselves, we want to live. We want him to die. And so, in many ways, Jesus' death is about personal injury and insult being made right. Our cosmic treason demands our death. It demands bloodshed. Jesus took on flesh, lived and died to pay the debt that we owe shall be put to death, is ours. Jesus said, I'll take that. I'll suffer that so that they may live. I will offer myself as a sacrifice to make right, to set right their guilt, to pay the ransom, to restore their relationship 
with you, Heavenly Father. Believer, that's your hope. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, we uh, thank you that you have, in your grace and mercy, offered your Son as our sacrifice. Lord Jesus, we thank you that in your grace and mercy, you were willing to suffer, bear the shame and guilt that our sin, our cosmic treason, demands. So that our guilt, our personal injury guilt, so that this this judgment shall be put to death, would be borne by you in our place. Would you grow in us deeper thankfulness, gratitude for your work on our behalf? And would you, by your word, by your work, O Holy Spirit, make us more loving and caring for others around us? To the honor and glory of Christ our King, we ask it. Amen.